Hello. Welcome to Syracuse Speaks, The View from the AHL, a Syracuse Crunch-centric podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ackerman. Let's get started. Good morning. I'm recording this a little bit earlier on a Sunday than I usually do. As of right now, on March 26th, it's not even 10 o'clock yet. So if you are listening to this around the time that it gets released onto most platforms, please feel free to grab yourself another cup of coffee and sip along with me. If you are listening to this over on Failed Pass Hockey, as always, I love my listeners over there too who wait until Monday to tune into the podcast. Whatever time of the day it is, I hope that you have your favorite beverage by your side and just settle in and relax a little bit while I discuss our all-favorite AHL team and what's going on with them right now. Full warning, my perspective in this episode is absolutely tainted and influenced by Saturday, March 25th, crunch game against Hershey. That game was not great. In fact, I think for a team that is deep in the playoff hunt and still has a little bit of distance to go before they actually secure a playoff spot, and although they are practically guaranteed to get into the playoffs, their placement within the division is very precarious. So for a team with all of that going on, I was not impressed at all by the Crunch's performance Saturday night. This team is very perplexing. I do think that the ice conditions on Saturday played into the team's frustration. There were a couple moments where players used their sticks to splash water away. There were a lot more players falling last night than I can remember. Now, the ice this season has been a topic of conversation that I've been avoiding because I don't want to anger certain people. But I think at this point, a discussion needs to be had. The ice this season in the Onondaga County War Memorial has been the worst I have remembered in quite a few seasons. Regardless of how cold it's been outside, the ice has not been able to settle or refreeze properly all all season long. Last night, after a Kid Leroy concert at the War Memorial this past week, the ice was atrocious. There were wet spots all night long. It did not look good. I don't really understand why. I'm not quite sure why it's so much worse this season than it has been in previous seasons. If it's the weather, if it's the humidity, I don't know. But my hope is that maybe this summer something can be done to address that. I would, as a season ticket holder, be more than willing to fork out another dollar or two per ticket to be able to get some kind of something going on in that building so that the ice conditions are better. I have always held the belief that one of the reasons Syracuse lost the championship in 2017 was because of the ice conditions. Syracuse, under the Lightning affiliation, has always been a team that relies on speed, and when the ice conditions are that bad, they can't turn the Jets on like they should be able to. So... I'm just going to put that out there that I do think Saturday night's game against Hershey was influenced by the ice conditions, and that is something outside of the team's control. I understand the frustration. Regardless, that frustration or not, the team was very uninspired Saturday night. There was very little urgency to their play. 
they kept some of the penalties under control. They had a little bit more of that control and steadiness Saturday night, which was very much appreciated because, you know, my friend Lee over at Raw Charge put forth a theory that Syracuse is one of the most penalized teams in the league, may be more closely watched by officials just through pure human bias than other teams. And so when it seems like Syracuse is being penalized more per game and over things that maybe are questionable than other teams, it could just be pure human bias. Officials have come to expect Syracuse to get up to no good, and so they see it more often than perhaps they do with other teams, and maybe more often than reality actually points to. I would not be surprised by that theory if that was true. It's a frustrating one, but again, something the team can't do anything about except for what they did Saturday night, which is lock it down and be more disciplined and and play hockey the right way play hockey properly. So, you know, that that's that's where we are with that. Besides that, I don't have answers as to what's going on right now. This team seems very disconnected from each other, which is not something that I think we've had to say this season. This team seems very close. This team, the players all seem to really like each other. They celebrate each other's successes. They, in, they seem to enjoy playing with each other, at least most nights. Saturday night, that wasn't there. And hockey players are humans. Gabriel Dumont wasn't with the team a couple weeks ago because of a personal matter. When he returned to the ice, he looked very tired, very drawn. I don't have any idea what went on. But obviously, th- these guys are humans. They have things that affect them off the ice that a lot of the times the fans know nothing about. So, you know, I'm not here to make anyone feel terrible. I'm not here to dump on the team. But it's puzzling and it's frustrating because this team should be better, should be more consistent, but they aren't. The other thing that's a little bit puzzling and frustrating right now is the, the the dissonance between what the Lightning say their philosophy is and what the Lightning's philosophy has been for the majority of this affiliation and <laughs> what we're being shown as reality. The depth in the organization has been suspect for a couple of seasons now. And I think especially this season, Everyone has seen, both NHL fans and AHL fans, problems with the defensive depth in particular. These problems have been made worse and made incredibly evident by the recall of Darren Radish to the Lightning. Radish has been up there now for a good couple of weeks, and Syracuse has floundered. This is not a surprise. Radish has been one of the highest performers on the team all season, and in fact, is still, despite his recall, the second highest performer on the team in points at this point in time. Simon Ryfors is almost there. He's almost caught up to him, 
Bradish has 51 points on the season. Ryforce has 47. None of them are anywhere close to Alex Bariboulet's 70 points, but still, it, it there's there's a problem there. Crunch fans knew that if Bradish got recalled, things were going to go bad. Hey, guess what? They went bad. It puzzles me as to what the Lightning is 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 foreseeing as results here because the defensive depth has been an issue all season long. And as the Lightning continue to trade away higher draft picks, and, and I'm not talking about like first round, I'm talking about those second or third rounders that are the ones that usually eventually become splashy depth players in the AHL. Those are the players that along with your veterans, you build playoff runs on. So as an AHL fan in particular, to watch the Lightning trade away that level of potential over and over and over again for a right now solution, which has never been their philosophy. The Lightning won the Stanley Cups in the recent years that they won off the backs of patience, development, and talent that results from those two things. I don't understand why their philosophy is now trading away the future for the possibility of winning another one right this second. I am very confused. NHL fans and on the you know Lightning fans have rightfully so not quite seen it this way. They look at it as the right now is all that matters. But from an AHL perspective, those middling but talented draft picks are where a lot of your depth comes from. So it's confusing to me to watch that pool get shallower and shallower and shallower. With the AHL veteran rules where you, each team can only dress players over a certain number of games in their career, it really limits the AHL team's ability to ice a competitive team when there's not those organizational players that are talented, but not quite ready for the NHL, but will probably be ready in a season or two. When you don't have those guys coming through, it's really hard to build a successful playoff run. And I think that that's one of the things we're seeing, especially on the blue line, but really up and down Syracuse's roster that's causing issues. We're seeing the thinning of that prospect pool, a prospect pool, which by the way, used to be one of the strongest in the NHL. I just overall I'm flummoxed and and I'm sure that that's coming through in this podcast. I'm flummoxed. I'm confused. I don't really understand why the philosophy has changed. I realize that it would be a, a another feather in the Lightning's hat to win another Stanley Cup so close to their other two recent wins. I get that whole thing. But they know what's work. They know what works. They've seen it work. So it's confusing to me to see this happen the way we all knew it would happen, the way they probably knew it would happen, and 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 not quite know what to do about it. So with all that said, as of March 26th, where is the crunch and what's going on? Keep in mind that depending on when you're listening to this, Syracuse does have a game against Utica 
this afternoon. That game, even if the crunch wins, isn't really going to affect the standings that much. So the only way that it could help things if Syracuse wins is that Rochester is also playing. And Rochester is only one point behind Syracuse. So if Syracuse wins their game against Utica this evening, it's at 5 o'clock tonight, which is annoying, but that's a side note then Syracuse will be able to stay in third place. If Rochester wins their game and Syracuse loses their game, Rochester will move ahead of Syracuse in the standings. So just that is the the ways that this afternoon could affect what's happening in the North Division. So what does everything look like? Toronto has punched their playoff ticket. They are still first in the North Division with 85 points. At this point in time, I don't foresee anybody catching up to them. And, I mean, it would be possible for that to happen. Barely possible with the amount of games that, like, Utica and Syracuse has remaining. But both teams would have to win their entire remaining nine and ten games, respectively. And Toronto would have to lose all of theirs. I don't see that happening. So I think Toronto is going to end the season in first place. What's going to be incredibly interesting is the rest of the division. Utica is currently in second place with 71 points. Each game is worth two points. A loss in the overtime or the shootout periods worth one point. So that's how that all shakes out. They have their 71. They're in second place. Syracuse is in third with 68. Syracuse has 10 games remaining, so 20 points on the table. In order for them to guaranteed make the playoffs, they need 11 more points. That will probably happen. Where Syracuse is in the standings when that happens remains to be seen. Rochester is in fourth place with 67 points. Cleveland, which is different from two weeks ago, when I talked about how these next three weeks until the end of March were going to be huge for the North Division in terms of standings, well, here we go. Cleveland is now in fifth place with 63 points. They've put on a really good run recently. They are 6-3-1-0 in their previous 10, and they're moving up in the world. So Cleveland is now a team that Syracuse and the rest of the North Division is keeping a really close eye on. They have snuck their way into the playoffs, 63 points. Right behind them is Belleville with 62, and right behind them is Laval with 60. So 11 points in the North Division separates second-place Utica from seventh-place Laval. Anything can happen between now and the end of the season in those areas of the North Division. In fact, I predict that anything will happen. I think we're still going to be seeing a lot of movement, especially in fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh place over the next couple of weeks. And Syracuse is really going to have to pull it together and figure it out if they want to stay in the top three in the division. Why is that important? The top three in the division are the ones that do not have to play an additional round of hockey. As it currently stands with the way the North Division playoff brackets work, fourth and fifth place play a best-of-three series. 
that's extra from what first, second, and third play. So whoever wins that series between fourth and fifth place would then go on to play the first place team, probably Toronto, who has just gotten to like chill while they go and play extra games of hockey. And then second and third place play their own first round that's just the normal start where the bracket would usually begin. So it's very advantageous to teams in the North to stay in the top three places because they don't have to play what basically amounts to two to three extra games of playoff hockey against some of the worst, quote unquote, in the division before having to play the best in the division. Can you see why this really is not great for that fourth or fifth fifth place team because they will already have played. And granted, you can like argue, well, they have momentum. They they won this playoff series. And so then they're going to go face the first place team and they're going to kick butt because they have all the momentum and the first place team has just been sitting around doing nothing. I don't buy that. (laughs) Um, It could happen as they say, but I don't buy it. So the playoff race is really tight in the North and I, where Syracuse will land at the end of this I honestly don't know. If they can't figure it out, I could see them falling as far as fifth place. I really could. Right now, there's only five points separating third and fifth place. Syracuse 68, Cleveland 63. That could very well happen. So it, it will be interesting to see how that all works out in the North Division by the end of this season. So the playoff picture has been broken down. We now know who Syracuse's main competition is, and we know how close everything is heading into April, which is the last half month of the season. What does everybody's schedules look like, and where might those points end up being switched around depending on whom everyone else is playing? Syracuse has two games remaining in the month of March. They will face Utica, and then they will face Belleville. Utica, as I stated, is today, Sunday, March 26th. So if you're listening on Field Pass Hockey, the results of that game are already known. Here's hoping Syracuse wins, because that would go a long way towards keeping the standing stable, at least for another couple of days. That game against Belleville is going to be an interesting one. Belleville is desperate to regain a playoff spot that they are now out of by all of one point. That could also change depending on the results of games going on this afternoon. So a lot can happen even just with today's results. That Belleville game, I think has the tendency, has the, has the tendency maybe to be a trap game. I could see where, Syracuse might think they could take the night off, but the fact is that that, there's not that many points separating them in Belleville. So let's not. And hopefully Syracuse sees that as the game that it is 
which is a game against a desperate team trying to claw their way back into a playoff position that they had for a good chunk of the season. So that is Syracuse's March. April, Syracuse welcomes Wilkes-Barre Scranton on April 1st. That will be the last time Syracuse plays a team not in the North Division. This is not a surprise. Howard Dolgan, Syracuse's owner, really likes a schedule, especially at the end of the season, that is North Division heavy. We know that these matchups become really important as far as standings go. We have had seasons, even in recent memory, where either playoff positions were clinched in the last weekend or important home ice advantage was clinched in the past weekend. One of the things I didn't talk about when I mentioned what the playoff races are looking like is that those first place team, second place team, and fourth place team get home ice advantage. So they have the majority of the series played in their home barn if you land in those places by the end of the season. So we've had really important decisions for playoffs come down to the final weekend of the season. Dolgan really likes that. It definitely creates some interesting storylines and the drama is always good for selling tickets. I definitely want to give a shout out while I'm on the topic of the schedule and games to the team's ticket staff who has been working their butts off. They've had a lot of sellouts lately. It's been really great to see the barn so full. Hopefully that will continue into the beginning and middle of April as Syracuse tries to cement where they are going to be for the upcoming playoffs. So Atlantic Division, final game against one of those teams, April 1st. Then we have the remaining week and a half or two weeks or two two and a half weeks or so of the season. We have Utica, Rochester, Rochester, Laval, Utica, Laval, Utica. <laughs> so that that sure is interesting considering, you know, if the playoffs started t- today, Utica and Syracuse would be facing off. There's basically with a couple of games in between, a little mini playoff series going on in the month of April between Syracuse and Utica and to be fair, Syracuse and Rochester. And and really, if you wanted to go that far, Syracuse and Laval. To say that these weeks are going to be important, I think is an understatement. Not only are they going to be important for Syracuse, but if we head on over to Utica, which makes sense because that's the crunches, like if crunch wants second place, that's the team they got to go through. As I said, Utica plays Syracuse this afternoon. Then Utica plays Rochester to end out March. So it's a little bit different from Syracuse. They get um, Rochester. And then for the remainder of the season, Utica doesn't have any Atlantic division teams. So they can spend the next couple of weeks really getting points on the rest of the North division. Utica's schedule in April looks like Rochester, Syracuse, Toronto, Rochester, Syracuse, Cleveland, Syracuse. Even when Utica isn't playing Syracuse, Syracuse could use some help from the other teams that they are playing. But of course, those teams are right behind Syracuse in the standings. This is tough. 
because if the crunch wants that second place spot, they need Utica to start losing. The danger is that as Utica loses, those other teams like Rochester and Cleveland that are behind Syracuse in the standings will be getting points on Syracuse. At the end of the day, Syracuse needs to control their own fate here because any help that they get from other teams in the North Division is also going to help those teams. <laughs> this is this is really intertwined, I think, more than I ever remember it being, where if you unravel one thing, then something else starts to unravel. This is, this is tough. This is going to be a tough slate for everyone, and it's going to be fascinating to see where this turns out. Heading on over to Rochester briefly, just because, again, they're like right behind Syracuse in the standings, they play Cleveland today. So that was that other game that I mentioned briefly that could affect where everything is. Because if Rochester loses, Syracuse's spot is safe, regardless of their result. But then Cleveland climbs up a little bit further, which is maybe not necessarily what we want. Wednesday, March 29th, Rochester plays Cleveland again. And then Rochester and Utica go head-to-head. So that's like a nightmare scenario for Syracuse, right? Because no matter who wins that contest, yeesh, it doesn't matter, you know? So looking ahead to Rochester's April, they play Utica, Syracuse, Syracuse, Utica, Belleville, Cleveland, and then Cleveland. See what I'm saying? Where it's like, this is great, but then it's not so great because... There's so many ways, especially between Utica, Syracuse, Rochester, and Cleveland, that this could all change in the next couple of weeks. These teams are so closely intertwined right now, it's crazy. There are so many points that are still on the table that can affect what this final playoff picture is going to look like that I don't even dare speculate where everybody is going to end by the end of this. And I'm not really into speculation anyways, but I don't even want to I don't even want to speak to it. So what is Syracuse going to do about this? Well, Bariboule has got to continue to be Bariboule. He has 70 points on the season right now, 19 goals, 51 assists in 59 games. He continues to dominate in the American Hockey League as he should. He has to keep doing that. No question about it. And and I don't doubt that that will keep happening. I don't really think that we have a ton to worry about as fans in that area. Gabriel Dumont, I think, has to start picking up the pace a little bit. Um, he's been a little quiet, as expected, with whatever personal situation he had going on at... I think it was the beginning of March. You know, he's been he's been a little quiet, especially in the past four games. He only has one assist in the past four games. I would like to see Dumont get back to himself. And again, th- there's no question how much I cherish Dumont as a captain, how much I cherish his presence on this team. And whatever it is that he went through and is probably still going through, I want to leave space for that. 
And, you know, I want to fully say that I realize he's a human and I don't know what's going on and whatever it is, is probably affecting him somehow. So I want to acknowledge all of that, but then there also needs to, you know, if this team wants to do it, if they want to make a spot in the playoffs where they're secure and they're good to go and maybe they have home ice, Dumont's got to pick it up. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that happens. But just factual statement, Dumont's got to pick it up. I would also like to see players like Felix Robert get back to the pace that he had at the start of the season. I'm not entirely sure if it's different line mates, if it's a lingering injury. I'm not entirely sure. But he has been very quiet for almost the entirety of the month of March. He had two goals on March 3rd, an assist on March 5th, and a goal on March 18th. All of the other games, he has big fat zeros. As opposed to the beginning of the season, where he had a goal and assist on October 14th, a goal and two assists on the 15th, three goals, one assist on the 22nd, a goal on the 26th, he was scoring at a much higher pace at the beginning of the season and even in the middle of the season. Like he had a pretty good December. And then he lost time. He was injured for most of January. And that really has affected his pace. I would like to see him get some confidence back and to see him pick it up because Syracuse's depth, as I explained earlier, is questionable. Felix Felix Robert is one of those depth players that I think Syracuse really needs a bigger performance from as the team heads into the upcoming month. Lucas Edmonds has been killing it lately. He just needs to keep going. That's just he just needs to keep going. Um, Declan Carlisle is another name that I feel like we've been seeing doing great things lately. He needs to keep going. I, I don't really want to talk about Philippe Myers. Um, if you watch the game Saturday, 20, the, uh, March 25th against Hershey, you are well aware of what happened at one point in the game. And he was very sad. And I don't want to point that out again. But, like, he's a defenseman who, who needs to start defending. That'd be great. <laughs> Let's just put it there. Uh you know, that. So I, I think that those are the players I really want to highlight as the team heads into these last couple of weeks as players who either need to figure it out, who need to get back to perhaps some joy in the game or some consistency at the very least, and then some players who just need to keep going. They're getting chances now, and Syracuse's position in the playoffs is going to depend on those players taking the best advantage they can of the chances that they're being given. I think that will do it for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. 
I'm open to interactions and feedback, so please feel free to get in touch with me over Twitter. My hockey Twitter is FPHCrunch, F-P-H-C-R-U-N-C-H, and my personal Twitter is Allovimo, A-L-L-O-V-I-M-O. My personal Twitter is protected, but if you want to send me a follow request and I can see that you're a hockey person, I would be more than happy to go ahead and add you over there. Before we go, I'd also like to thank Purple Planet Music and Kevin McLeod for providing the royalty-free music heard in this episode. Keep taking care of each other out there in Crunchland, and I will see you next time.